Welcome to the SPE Podcast, powered by the Society of Petroleum Engineers. You're listening to the November 2023 episode of the SPE President's Podcast, Creating Our Energy Future, with SPE President Terry Palish. And now your moderator, SPE Senior Technology Editor, Trent Jacobs. Hi, everyone. I'm Trent Jacobs, and welcome to the SBE Podcast. Today, I am very happy to be talking with the 2024 SBE President, Terry Palish. He's going to be talking to us about the impact that the energy transition is having on the industry and technology. Also, how the SBE is helping its members adjust to the shifting landscape. Uh, glad to be here with you, Terry. Thanks so much for joining us. Maybe set the scene for me a little bit here by explaining a concept that you mentioned on your last podcast. This is the energy trilemma. What is that? Tell us tell us more about that. Yeah, sounds good, Trent. Thanks. And uh, I'm excited to be talking to you today. Um, so let's just kind of start with the building blocks here. So I think as everybody knows, energy is the building blocks of all life. So, you know, human beings need chemical energy. Um, and then, of course, for all of our everyday lives, we need energy. So so the, so the world itself needs energy. Uh, energy essentially drives everything. The other thing we have to understand and remember is that our population is growing. We expect by 2050 to have another one to two billion people on the planet, another 20, 25 percent. And at the same time, over two thirds of our world population live in some form of energy poverty. So energy is going to demand is going to continue to grow. Um, The other fact is that currently 80 percent of the energy supplied to the world comes in the form of coal, oil, or natural gas, commonly called fossil fuels. And that percentage hasn't changed appreciably appreciably for decades. So at the same time, energy is increasing, the same time the need for fossil fuels is there, um, the public is still demanding that we begin reducing or demanding a reduction in emissions. So that really kind of represents what a lot of people call the trilemma. Basically, how do we as a society meet the world's energy needs of affordable and accessible energy that's reliable and secure, but also becoming ever green and decarbonized? So that's what they call the energy trilemma. Um, But to me, I actually think it's more the energy opportunity. And I say that because I believe it's the energy opportunity for our industry. Um, we can get into this a little bit more later, but, you know, I believe we're the best suited to solve the energy trilemma um, and we are solving it uh, as we speak. OK, well, let's open that up a little bit, I guess, you know, um, from where you're sitting. How, what do you see the industry doing to respond to the trilemma? Uh, you know, set the scene for me. Yeah, sure. So. Look, our, ener- our industry has been meeting the world's energy needs for, for decades. I mean, really, we, we, along with coal, helped usher in the Industrial Revolution. Um, we've been developing new technologies, things that we never saw coming, deep water. Um, you know, another good example that's more recent is shale oil, shale gas, or unconventional development. Um, the ability to take uh, horizontal wells and put multiple frac stimulations in them. Um, it completely changed the landscape in the U.S. and North America. Um, right now, natural gas is plentiful. Um, we actually were building LNG import terminals before the shale revolution. Now we're building export terminals. Um, the U.S. has become energy independent. What's also kind of interesting is that emissions have actually reduced during this time frame. 
And the reason they've reduced is because we've had the ability to switch from coal to natural gas fired power plants. But the key aspect here to understand is that we're going to continue to need more and more energy, as I mentioned before. So we must continue to develop new technologies, technologies that we haven't even thought of, because oil and gas continues to be harder and harder to find and or harder and harder to extract. But we have a, a large number of reserves out there. We just need the technology to, to extract it. So. Uh, at the same time, though, I think it's worth noting that we continue developing ways to reduce our carbon footprint and our carbon intensity. Um, there's tremendous efforts to reduce flaring. Um, there are reduced methane emissions. It was just a report out by the EPA that discussed that, how uh, emissions from methane uh, has reduced over the last several years. Um, so we're making an impact there. And then, of course, we have the new areas like carbon capture and storage, geothermal. Um, this is why I like to call it our energy opportunity. Yeah, no, and I think uh, for, you know, the engineers out there listening, um, you know, they hear about these things and they see just what you're saying, opportunities to, to build and create something new um, that, that works to these uh, what are now global goals. So so with that, like, let's zoom in a little bit more, I guess. Um, so, you know, we talked about the sort of the, the, the societal issue, uh, the how the industry is looking at it. Now, now take us through the lens of the SBE. What is the SBE doing um, on this front to keep members updated? about the newest technology trends and some of these important industry developments that are really shaping their careers. Well, let's start with the mission. Um, we just updated our mission statement uh, as a part of the strategic plan, um, and it's a mouthful for sure. Uh, you may recall our previous mission statement started with to disseminate technical information. Um, that's still a big part of our mission, but we actually start this mission statement with to connect. Um, my good friend Kamel Benasur put it this way, our goal or our mission is to connect our members with technology, connect our members with other members for collaboration, and connect our members with our external stakeholders. So we're about connecting. And while there's many ways that we connect our members with new technology, um, and we'll probably discuss that in some future podcasts, I'd like to key on just one of, those, one of the ways we do that, and that's with our events. SP events go a long way to connect our members with technology, other members, and the external stakeholders. We have about 100 events every year. Um, I actually went in and I looked at the next 12-month calendar on sp.org, uh, and, and basically the good majority of them are in North America, Middle East, North Africa, and Asia, which of course is where the majority of our members reside and it has tremendous oil and gas um, potential. But we also have a large number that are in Europe, Africa, Latin and South America. So, you know, our goal is to continue linking the global network of people uh, to technology and collaboration. Um, some other interesting facts, about three fourths of our events are conferences or workshops. Um, so that makes up the large majority and the remaining are forums, symposia or summits. Um, so we have various formats for collaboration. Maybe we can talk about that in a little bit. But um, also have a, a wide range of topics from traditional petroleum engineering based topics like drilling and completions and reservoir um, to energy transition topics like carbon capture and geothermal. So and then what's really kind of cool now is you're starting to see 
these embedded in each other. So while we may go to the hydraulic fracturing technical conference, there'll be a session that discusses decarbonization, electrification of uh, frac fleets and things like that. So, and that's really how we need to get to, but uh, that's really how, uh, you know, one aspect of how we keep our members connected to technology and new developments. Yeah, I, I kind of like what you said. It resonated with me when you said linking global you know, networks together, because, you know, just in my own experiences of, of attending SB events, I definitely see that. Um, I see people from opposite ends of the world, you know, meeting up uh, for the, the the fifth, the tenth time um, and exchanging ideas um, in real life. And so, you know, uh, but forget what, you know, what I've seen. I want to ask about your experiences because, you know, you've been a man on the move recently. You're visiting uh, with SB sections and members from around the globe. Um, and as you kind of alluded to there, you're also participating in SB events and conferences. So so let's dig into that just a little bit. What, you know, what do these conferences mean to you? Why is this so important? Well, Trent, I think it's important for me to attend uh, as much, many of these as I can, because like I said before, our events are exist for the sole purpose of connecting our members to technology and other members to collaborate and, and network. Um, but one of the things I think I also want to mention here is that it's only possible because of the dedicated volunteers and, and the SP event staff that help put these on. Um, in fact, in addition to benefiting from events from a technology standpoint and of networking, there's another uh, benefit, and that is the volunteer opportunity, um, whether it's sitting on a program committee, leading some a, sec a session or, or being a, se a session co-chair, um, or perhaps as a participant, um, writing a paper, making a presentation at a workshop. Um, you know, it gives us a chance to display our technology. It gives us a chance to network. It gives us a chance to work on our soft skills and really is a cornerstone to professional development. It's been a big part of, of my experience. So, you know, I think attending and participating in these events is really one of the critical pieces of, of our ability to create our energy future. Okay, so tell me about where you've been recently. What are some of the recent uh, events that you have attended? Um, and, and share with us some of the takeaways. Sure. So I just got back from a trip to offshore Europe um, and the International Hydraulic Fracturing Technical Conference. Um, offshore Europe celebrated their 50th anniversary. Um, offshore Europe is a critical event for SPE. It's a longstanding event. It's critical to not only SPE, but to the region. Um, we had over 800 exhibitors. 30,000 attendees over four days, uh, plenty of distinguished guests. Um, the International Frac Conference was its third edition in Oman. Um, it's an offshoot of our successful HFTC that we have in the Woodlands every year. Um, they were hoping to exceed last year's number, um, which would be about 600 attendees. We had over 700. 35 countries represented, which really is very uh, great because of the, the international nature of that conference, 126 companies. Um, the Oman Ministry of Energy and Minerals uh, was present. Um, PDO was there as a, uh, the main host. Um, so it's critical to the region. Uh, both of those are important uh, to, to the region to help uh, solve local problems. You know, remember one of our core values is, is global reach and local relevance. So you bring together a global audience to work on something that's got local relevance, like the offshore Europe in, uh, in the IHFTC. 
Well, well, tell me a little bit more about Offshore Europe for a minute, if you will. You know, share with us how that show, um, you know, maybe re- represents sort of uh, the embodiment of, you know, all of these concepts we've been talking about, how it fits into the uh, SB program. Yeah, the, uh, you know, Offshore Europe is, as I said before, a critical event for us. Um, the last event, it's, it's held every other year. The last event was held in 2019. Um, 2021 was essentially canceled because of COVID. So, you know, the question was, obviously, Europe is a critical part of the mix. Uh, how would how would the attendees respond? Of course, as I said before, we ended up with 30,000 attendees. Um, there were tons of technical sessions and panels and keynote speeches. There was a lot of buzz on the uh, show floor. Um, they had the Honorable Graham Stewart, who's the UK Minister of State uh, for Energy and Security and Net Zero. They had the Scottish Minister of Energy, Ms. Gillian Martin. Um, and both of them referenced the need for significant investment across all energy forms. In fact, I thought it was interesting. Mr. Stewart put it kind of this way. He said, you know, we, we need to stop thinking of these as individual industries you know, oil and gas, wind and so on, and kind of think of us as a part of a global energy uh, mix. So, you know, all of them are necessary. Uh, The conference had plenty of papers and panels that addressed all the needs of the energy trail that we talked about before. Um, It showed our opportunity for our industry to make a positive impact on accessibility and affordability. Um, many noted that it was, you know, would be far better to produce your own oil and gas to import it. It's got a lower carbon intensity if you can develop your own resources. So countries need to continue to do that. Um, It's secure. Of course, in Europe, there was plenty of references to the the recurring war. Um, So producing your own is, of course, critically important. But then also plenty of discussions on decarbonization. Um, A lot of efforts in carbon capture and storage, renewables, uh, decarbonizing our operations, you know, really leaning into our industry and our engineers and scientists to help Europe reach its climate goals. Um, It's a monumental task. Everyone understands that. But, you know, our industry, the oil and gas industry is well positioned to help lead that. So, um, you know, probably the biggest concern is that we need these new technologies and they're only going to be developed by people that come after us. You know, the best and the brightest minds um, you just, again, reinforce my view that the energy trilemma is really our energies, our industry's energy opportunity. It was a great conference. You know, I do want to make a shout out to the SP Aberdeen section um, for their hard work. They were a big part of the programming. Um, it was also great to meet that section while I was there. Um, they're excited. They have a lot of energy. Um, they're working with local leaders and schools on getting our message out. So uh, hats off to the work that they do there. Well, Terry, you know, kind of switching gears just a tiny bit, but but sticking on this last uh, point you raised, you know, one question I always get in my job at JPT and and as somebody that works at the SB is, is how are the topics for the technical programs, you know, picked out, you know, who, who forms would essentially represent the core of these events? Talk to us about that a little bit. Well, quite simply, Trent, it starts with an idea. Um, a lot of times those ideas are driven by staff um, because just people like yourself who see what's going on in the industry, what are the hot topics. Um, it also might start with a board member or, or particularly maybe one of the technical directors or something from their advisory committees. Maybe they see a gap um, or maybe it's just a group of members in a region. Um, you know, I just was in Tunisia um, and the Tunisia section was just reestablished. So congratulations to them. But they they're excited about bringing unconventionals to that country. So the 
question is, what kind of event can we put on to help that? So, you know, those are the way that the uh, topics come about. You know, once once that topic is kind of discussed, then um, the organizers work with SP staff, trying to make sure, you know, come up with the timing and the location and, you know, make sure it doesn't conflict with a calendar. And of course, looked at the P&L. I mean, you know, our goal is to have positive uh, profit um, or at least not lose money. Um, and then a vet request is taken to the board of directors. The technical committee signs off on it and you're off and running. So yeah, that's in a nutshell, Trent, that's how it kind of works. Well, and, and parse out for me, if you will, a little bit more, you know, there's there's different formats to these events, you know, some of them have uh, slightly different names. And and so, you know, talk to me about the differences uh, b- between these events and, and how how you view that. You know, Trent, that's an important question, because I think a lot of times we don't under, we don't typically understand the difference between a conference and a workshop and so on. So, you know, conference is kind of uh, the largest version of our events. Um, it's probably the most uh, used to be the most common. Um, so a, a conference is typically going to be made up of technical papers, panels exhibition is likely going to be there um it's typically a larger event could be thousands of people um it could be a single topic or a multiple topic so for example multiple topics like atce our our flagship member event the annual conference or or otc even though it is offshore it's got a lot of technologies then you've got hftc the hydraulic fracturing conference which is a single topic so all are conferences but some have multiple and some are single a workshop is kind of the other end of the spectrum. A workshop doesn't have any papers. It's presentation only. There's typically not an exhibition. The goal of a, of a workshop is to kind of dive deeper into a single topic or perhaps multiple topics in a single region or basin. Um, a workshop is typically limited to, and it's limited so that it can promote engagement and networking. It's typically a single track. Um, workshops are actually gaining popularity because you have the ability to go and work a problem. Um, the information is very timely since there's not a paper required. Um, so you can be presenting stuff that's literally right off the press. Um, there's no need to release content. So then we also get people that come in and present material that they couldn't have potentially released in a paper. The other two, uh, a symposium, a symposium is really kind of between a conference and a workshop. Typically, it's kind of a starter um, in a you know a specific topic. Maybe has a mix of some papers and some panels. Minimal exhibition, if any. A lot of times, section events are symposiums, and and maybe a symposium turns into a workshop or a, a conference later. And then you have forums that kind of sit by themselves. A forum is just really a way for uh, fifty to seventy five technical experts, subject matter experts to get together and kind of swarm some futuristic problem um, or topic. Um, It's an application-based event, so you apply to come um, and then get accepted. Um, There's limited note-taking. It's it's all about thought leadership. Um, A summit, summit is typically uh, just a smaller topic. Uh, again, that's typically just a few members or smaller event um, to to uh, to begin talking about a topic. I think it's important to understand those differences, though, because when you go to the SP events calendar, you know what you're looking at when you see an event and they say it's a workshop and you know what to expect. Um, but even though they have similar names, what's interesting is they all have different personalities. 
Yeah, I, I think everything you, you said is really interesting because it just shows the degree to which you have the nuances that you have to acknowledge when you talk about industry collaboration. And, and there is no one size fits all approach. Um, but, you know, maybe picking up on that last thing you just said, uh, you know, the, these events have their own personalities. Um, you know, you're personifying them. What do you, what do you mean there? Tell me about that. Yeah, that's a that's a phrase that uh, Michelle Boyd, the SP's chief global events officer, coined. Um, she called, she said, you know, you have to remember that our events, each event has its own personality. And it's really true because, you know, we could talk about the type, the conference workshops, et cetera. It can be global or regional. Any of these can be global or regional. The, any of these can be multiple tracks or themes, um, like I said before, ATC or IPTC, a global conference, or they could be single topics. Um you could have traditional petroleum engineering based topics like, say, the Formation Damage Conference or maybe something on the energy transition like we had uh, the CCUS uh, workshop. Um, we've got a geothermal workshop coming up. And then, of course, you have regional workshops that could be topical like well decommissioning in Brazil or you could have a regional topic or a regional conference or conference like the Western regional or Eastern regional, or maybe a basin like the Permian conference, um, or maybe just some combination that meets the needs of the organizers. Then on top of that, we also use our events to connect with other non-traditional petroleum engineering disciplines like the SPIADC drilling conference. So we partner with IADC, um, Ertec, a really good example, a very successful conference with AAPG and SEG. Um, SP's core value, remember, is global scale. One of the core values is global scale and local relevance. So that's how we do it. Events are a great example of that. We bring our global network together to solve a problem and then hopefully deliver the best experience and value for our members. And so um, in order to do that, it kind of requires every event to take on its own little personality um, to make the event successful. I like that. I mean, it makes sense. You know, these are conferences uh, formed by people for people. Uh, so they feel a little bit like people, uh, you know, maybe to wrap up here, you know, maybe you could talk to me about what the SBA is doing to stay fresh um, and continue to sort of enhance or offer the best experience that we can at these different events. Well, look, first and foremost, it starts with SP staff. Uh, Michelle's events team does a magnificent job of staying on the forefront of things um, and delivery mechanisms, um, as well as the board, particularly technical content committee and the TDs. Um, you know, everybody's always on the lookout for ways to improve, whether it's improving the content or improving delivery of that content or maybe just the overall experience. Um, you know, we want to we want to always be on the cutting edge. I think SP's got a great reputation for putting on the best events, um, most technical and, and networking. Um, you know, one of the things I alluded to last month in the, our podcast is we have an initiative underway to improve ATCE. Um, we call it the ATC Reimagined Group. It's it's made up of board and staff um, and an external resource. And really, we're looking at how do we revitalize the flagship event of our uh, society. Um, ATC has always had a rich history. It's been our premier event, but members have said we need to revitalize it and, and they're right. And so, uh, as you heard, if you were in San Antonio a few weeks ago at ATCE, um, our next ATC will be in New Orleans in 2024. That'll mark the 100th anniversary of ATC. So, you know, our goal is, is really by this work group to lay the foundation for the next 100 years. So, plan on coming to New Orleans. I think you're going to want to be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and very informative. Um, the other thing we're doing, though, as I mentioned briefly before, is we're 
partnering with other societies, um, whether it's with Urtech or like say IPTC, where we join up with AAPG, SEG and EAGE. Um, but, you know, we're always looking for ways to deliver enriched content or new ways to deliver enriched content. Um, we also want to expand the tent into related technologies. Um, there, was, there was an event earlier this year with the U of H um, alongside APG and SEG on carbon capture and storage. Um, we've got an event coming up this month um, with geothermal rising, a geothermal workshop in Colorado. Um, so, you know, you know, the bottom line is we want to be known as the go to place for events that promote technical exchange, thought leadership, networking and really provides second to none experience. Well, that's uh, that's pretty exciting news about uh, ATC, especially, um, you know, that this is a show that uh, presents some of the, you know, best and most impactful papers uh, that the oil and gas industry um, benefits from. And uh, so that's that's good to hear. I think that's about it for us, though. I think we've run out of time. I had a lot of fun talking to you, Terry. Um, maybe you can tell everybody what's going to come up in your next podcast before we sign off. Yeah, thanks, Trent. This is a lot of fun again. I really appreciate you taking the time to interview and to be a part of this. Um, I think it's important for our members. I think next month what we're going to do is we're going to continue our discussion, you know, about this connection, connecting our members to technology and each other. Um, but I think what we're going to try to do is maybe shift gears a little bit and talk about the importance of local sections. As I mentioned, I've been visiting plenty of sections, and I, I think uh, there's a lot of discussion we can have there about how important sections are. I think for most members, uh, the section is what they think of when they think of SPE. Um, it gives great opportunities for volunteering and really all the important aspects of what we need to do and what we can do to create our energy future. So um, I'm looking forward to it and I hope everybody will be able to join us. All right. Well, thank you so much, Terry. Bye for now. Thanks, Trent. We hope you have enjoyed this edition of the SPE President's Podcast, Creating Our Energy Future with Terry Palish. New episodes are posted at the beginning of each month, complete with transcripts, on the Journal of Petroleum Technology website at jpt.spe.org.